0: Glory to Jesus Christ, glory to in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. We commemorate this evening, Venerable Sisawis the Great, who is one of the great desert fathers of the church, been, if I'm remembering correctly, being a generation after St. Anthony the Great, and it is as one of the main elements of the church, as say there's pillars to the church. Uh, We, of course, having just celebrated not too long ago the Feast of the Apostles Peter and Paul, the apostolic foundation of the church, we have uh, one of the great pillars of the church outside of that being the great ascetics of the church, the uh, monastics of the church. And especially the Desert Fathers, Uh, If you are familiar with the ascetics of the Church, uh, it's specifically, or mm, how will should I say, the paradigm you're going to think of is the Desert Fathers. Venerable Asisuis was uh, one of the great ones that we have sayings from in aspects of his life. We heard it in uh, the hymnody, detailing certain parts of his life, specifically uh, his death, and Venerable Sissous was one of the great teachers of humility, one of the great virtues that the Desert Fathers time and again emphasize. And it is, I think, from the life of Sissous that we get a good idea of what humility is someone asked him what humility was, how can I attain it, his basic response was to always think of others better than yourself. There is in humility uh, there's always a tension uh, in the, the language of the church about repentance. And Very easy for us to lose sight of what humility is or what repentance is. Uh, it is not just a beating up of oneself or uh, having a negative idea of oneself, as much as it is really, truly being able to see yourself and what your relationship is to others and to God. And that's a fine line. It's part of the reason why we need confession, spiritual guidance because it's very easy for us and I've seen it uh, often is that we think that we're building up humility or things uh, by basically just like negative talk to ourselves, which there is a kind of healthy sense of that, where it's like really owning who you are, <laughs> really owning where you stand in relationship to God and to others. And this is why we need spiritual guidance. This is part of what the Fathers would also tell you, right? If you need someone to help guide you, because the spiritual life is not something done on its own, right? We have somebody coming to Venal and and saying, how do I attain this? But this humility was especially shown in the death of Ciceroist that we specifically sang about. There was a light around him. They heard the choirs of angels. And they were all wondering, because everyone had a great devotion to him. And <laughs> they were asking him, you know, do you want to go? What, what, what do you really see? What is going on? And what he basically told them that he was asking the angels for more time to repent. For them at all, how this man, who we've known for years and years and years, that we know to be blameless, be asking for that? Because he was humble. Because he really knew his relationship to God, his absolute dependency upon God, his uh, position in the world right, as a preacher, not as a self-made man, that we see in Titus this great icon of humility. This is probably why there's a great icon of him. Has anyone ever seen a monk? There's like a a sepulcher open, and there's bones lying in a grave, and you have a monk lamenting over the bones. Have you ever seen this icon? It is Siswis over the grave of Alexander the Great. We have Siswis the Great, and we have Alexander the Great put together in an icon. And it is. A very popular icon because it uh, allows us to contemplate, of course, death. Let me read, there's a long sort of, uh, inscription on the icon. I don't usually pull out my cell phone in order to <laughs> make a point, but I, it's too long for me to have memorized. The inscription goes like this, Sisyphus the great ascetic before the tomb of Alexander, king of the Greeks, who was once covered in glory Astonished he mourns for the vicissitudes of time and the transience of glory, and tearfully declaims thus The mere sight of you tomb dismays me and causes my heart to shed tears as I contemplate the debt we all men owe. How can I possibly stand it, O oh death? Who can evade you? So this story that we have from his life where he's on his deathbed and he's asking for more time to repent. And then you have the same man lamenting and crying over Alexander the Great. I don't know if you realize this or not, Alexander the Great was a huge deal for the Greek world. (laughs) If you've been around, like, Alexander would be like our George Washington times two or three, maybe. Uh, Alexander the Great, in ancient Roman time, there was a huge tomb. There was a great big old cult to Alexander the Great the emperors of the time would go. There, there, there's a huge thing about Alexander the Great. And it's around the time of the Sisyphus, uh, Theodosius, outlaws, paganism, and then we actually don't know where the tomb is anymore. such a change of culture with the Christians coming to, I was say, power and cultural influence. We lost the grave, the sepulchre, which was one of the great wonders of the ancient world. It was a gigantic thing. So we have this picture of this desert father who has nothing who's lamenting over the glory and power of the world one who had conquered so much of the ancient world was you know their great George Washington their great you know founder the great example of secular power and you have him just crying over In contemplating what death the great leveler brings. Do do you know when this icon became very, very popular? Anyone hazard a guess when this icon became popular? production in monasteries and throughout the Greek-speaking world of Sisyphus over the bones of Alexander the Great, over, kind of, the Greek or the Roman Empire falling. And it's a great icon because it also shows you have this great icon of humility, Sisyphus, over worldly power, authority. One's bones, one is not. Because at the end of our life, we will want to have developed a life that sisyphus developed, and not just Alexander the Great, who is lauded, who is someone that has virtue, but in the scope of things, his glory is something that fades. And it's the glory of the saints, the ones who have drawn it close to God, who have clothed themselves with the light Who have taken on the virtues of God and therefore are translated into eternity, that God Himself imbues them with life itself because of their humility, because of their ability to know that they are completely dependent upon God. It is not the realms conquered, the horses owned, or if you want to say, you know, the homes, the bank account. The pension, the motorboat, I and mean, you can keep on at it. You know, the planes, the, the yachts, the international travel, none of that stuff actually reflects what is truly good and real. So let us, with the intercessions of the Venerable and Sisyphus, uh, attain unto and find true humility such that we have the time given to us to repent, to think better of others, we hear the echo, of course, of Paul up there, than ourselves, such that we can attain to and be with our Lord, the truly good and great one. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.